Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 12 through chapter 2 and verse 1. If you turn there with me, Habakkuk 1, 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like a fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net, and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net, and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post, and station myself on the tower, and look out to see what will he say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. It was early on a Saturday morning when my brother heard this loud knock on the door of his apartment one Saturday, and my brother was a a recent college graduate in his 20s at the time, and he was confused as to why anybody would be knocking on his door at that early hour on a Saturday morning. Did this person know that Saturday mornings were for sleeping in? But this person just kept on knocking louder and louder. And so my brother threw on some clothes, and then he opened the door. And he was surprised to see that it was a young woman that he had gone out with on a few dates. He was even more surprised when she talked about the reason for why she had stopped by. She said to my brother, we need to talk. Now, no conversation in the history of the world has ever gone well when those are the opening words of the conversation. But she said to him, we need to talk about our relationship and where it is going. Apparently, she was interested in finding a husband. And my brother, he was interested in having some fun on Friday nights with some friends. And so you can probably guess where this conversation ended. Let's just say that my brother did not need to worry about another conversation at an early hour on a Saturday morning as he discussed with this young lady where their relationship was not going. My brother learned a valuable lesson that day about communication. You need to be clear in communicating in any kind of relationship. The amazing good news of the Bible is that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. And unlike my brother, God actually wants this relationship to last forever. God wants to communicate with you through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit. And God wants you to speak to Him through prayer. But I have noticed something about my own prayer life and the prayer life of other Christians when times get tough. In difficult days, we find it hard to pray. We find it difficult to talk to God. We get confused and frustrated about what God is doing in our world and in our lives, and so we shut down. We stop talking to God. But God wants us to keep talking to Him. He loves us, and He wants a relationship with us, 
a strong relationship even in difficult days like today. So how do we do that? How do we keep praying in difficult days? I'd like for us to look at some ways that we can pray in these difficult days from Habakkuk chapter 1 this morning. First of all, you pray in difficult days by praising God for who he is. Let's recap the story of Habakkuk so far. First, Habakkuk saw that his beloved country of Israel was full of violence and injustice. And so he prayed. He asked God why he wasn't doing anything about all this sin that took place in Israel. And Habakkuk received a response from God in which God told him that actually God was doing something about all the evil in his country. He was raising up the wicked Babylonians who would bring a devastating defeat to Israel in war. A merciless, savage army from far away would correct God's unfaithful people. That was not only a surprising answer to Habakkuk's prayer, it was also confusing. How could the holy God use a wicked people to punish his own chosen people of Israel? This didn't make any sense to Habakkuk. It seemed like God's cure was far worse than the disease. But the good news is that Habakkuk did not shut down in those difficult days. He kept on praying, even though he was confused by what God was doing. And Habakkuk's prayer started with him praising God. Habakkuk did not know what God was doing, and so he began his prayer by talking to God with what he knew about God. He held on to what he was confident about in his God. And I think we need to do the same thing in our own confusing times. We need to remember how great our God is when we don't understand what God is doing. Listen again, then, to how Habakkuk praises God in verse 12 of chapter 1. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. Habakkuk then begins his praise of God by saying that God is eternal. So how long has God been the king of the universe? Forever. He has always been the king on the throne. So God's decree to appoint the Babylonians to attack the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, was no spur-of-the-moment decision on God's part. God knew that Israel would need his discipline at that time. And God knew the tool that he would use for that discipline, the Babylonians. God is the eternal king. He not only knows what is coming in our world, he actually ordains it according to verse 12. He ordains what is coming. He orders it from heaven. So let me ask you, was God surprised? that this coronavirus came in 2020? Was God unaware of the financial impact that this disease would have on our country in this year? And did God know about the political turmoil 
that would build in our country as we prepare for the election next month. God not only knew about all these events, God actually planned them. The eternal God ordered that these things take place for His glory and for our ultimate good. Well, after praising God for being the eternal king, Habakkuk praises God for being both the promise-keeping God and the holy God. Habakkuk expresses his affection for God in verse 12. He praises God by calling him, O Lord, my God, my Holy One. Yes, God is holy. He is perfect and pure. He is holy and righteous. So he must punish Israel for her sin. That much is true. But God is also Lord. And this is God's covenant name. God is the God who makes and keeps promises for his chosen people of Israel. Habakkuk knew that was true about God. And if that were true about God, what else did Habakkuk know about God? He knew, it says in the middle of verse 12, we shall not die. Yes, many Israelites would lose their lives in the war with Babylon. But the nation as a whole would not die. God would keep Israel alive. Why wouldn't Israel die? Because God had made some promises to Abraham and to David that must be kept. And God would keep those promises. If God does not keep his promises, he then ceases to be God. And so God always keeps his promises. So Habakkuk concludes his praise of God in verse 12 by calling God, O Rock. Habakkuk's whole world was shaking. And your world would be shaking too if you had just heard from a prophet of God that your nation was going to be invaded and defeated in war. But when all around him was shaking and giving way, Habakkuk could still praise God. He could praise God for being the rock on whom he had solid footing. When your world is falling apart, praise God for who he is. It is your praise of God in difficult days that will keep you from falling apart. An old dog once fell into a farmer's well. And after assessing the situation, the heartless farmer decided that neither the dog nor the well were worth saving. The farmer had much in common with the cruel Babylonians that we are reading about in the Bible. This dog had many illnesses and was probably close to death anyway, the farmer thought. And the well was not producing a whole lot of water. And so the farmer said that he would bury the old dog in the well and therefore put the dog out of his misery. So when the farmer began shoveling dirt down the well... Initially, the old dog was hysterical. But as the dirt hit the dog's back, the dog realized that every time the dirt landed on his back, he could shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. 
No matter how painful the blows of the dirt were on the dog's back, the old dog kept shaking the dirt off and stepping up. It wasn't too long before the old dog, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall of the well and out of that pit. What seemed as though it would bury the dog actually benefited him, all because of the way that he handled his adversity. The adversities that come along to bury us in our difficult days usually have within them the power to benefit us, to bless us. By praising God for who he is, we can shake off the adversity of our lives and we can step up out of the deep wells into which we have fallen. You pray in difficult days by remembering who God is and by praising him. That helps you to endure. You also pray in difficult days by wrestling with what God is doing. This wrestling ring in front of our pulpit is a reminder to you that God wants you to wrestle with him in prayer. He does not want you to give up when you get into difficult circumstances. The wrestling begins in verse 13 in Habakkuk's prayer when he prays to God, You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Essentially, the prophet Habakkuk is asking, God, how can you use these people to harm my people? How can you do that? These Babylonians are cruel. They swallow up people. They are monsters. Aren't you supposed to be holy, God? How can you allow this to happen? Well, Habakkuk knows for sure that God is holy, but it seemed to Habakkuk that God's tolerance of Babylon was inconsistent with his holiness. So what did Habakkuk do? Did he get angry at God? Did he stop talking with God? No. He wrestled with God in prayer. He wanted to know God better. And he wanted to understand what God was doing in the world. And so he got into the wrestling ring and he prayed. He prayed until he got an answer. So what does the fact that Habakkuk kept on praying tell you about what Habakkuk believed about prayer? It tells you that Habakkuk believed that God was on the throne. God was the king over everything that happened in Israel and in his world. Just like God is the king today over everything that happens in America. Habakkuk was confused about what God was doing. But when Habakkuk prayed, he knew he was talking to the one who was in charge of all things. Habakkuk was talking to the king of kings. And as Habakkuk prayed, the king of kings was listening to his prayers and answering them by his mighty power. 
God was using Habakkuk's prayers to accomplish his purposes in the world. Isn't that incredible that God would do that? To think that the prayers of a prophet or of little old me could move the powerful arm of Almighty God is mind-blowing. That God could use us to accomplish His purposes. Habakkuk believed a quote that I brought with me today that I want you to look at. This is what Habakkuk believed. God intends to use human prayers to accomplish His most ultimate and universal purposes. So how is it that God accomplishes His purposes in the world? Believe it or not, it is partially through your prayers. Because Habakkuk believed this, he wrestled with God in prayer. Through Habakkuk's prayer, the human will and the divine will came together. And they directed events on planet Earth. Church, you were made in the image of God to talk with Him. You are made to speak with the King who is in charge of everything that happens in the world. So how powerful are your prayers? How powerful are the prayers that you pray every day? I'd like for us to read out loud from James chapter 5 and verse 16 as a reminder. Let's speak this verse together. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So yes, Habakkuk was confused as to what God was doing in the world. But he knew that his prayers were powerful. So he kept on praying. He kept wrestling with God. We see why Habakkuk wrestled with God in verses 14 and 15. The Babylonians treated people like animals. Actually, they treated people like fish. In verse 14, Habakkuk prays, You make mankind like the fish of the sea. Now, doesn't this sound a little bit like an accusation on Habakkuk's part? He's saying to God, What are you doing? You're treating us like fish. Sounds to me like Habakkuk is saying that God himself is behind the wickedness of the Babylonians and their massive mistreatment of Israel and the nations around them. And yet, God allows Habakkuk to make this accusation about him in prayer. God wants Habakkuk to stay in the wrestling ring, so he lets his remark pass about what God is doing. Verse 15 goes on to say that the Babylonians bring all of them up with a hook, he drags them out with his net. And this is, in fact, historically true. The Babylonians would take fish hooks. They would stab those hooks through their captives' sensitive lower lips. And they would string the captives together through those hooks. And they would march them off in a line off to Babylon. Can you imagine how painful that would be to have a fish hook dug into your lower lip, and then to be dragged by that hook? Ouch. 
Another way that they would actually bring their captives back to Babylon was to drag them in fishnets. The Babylonians were completely wicked. Can you see why Habakkuk then wrestled with God about what he was doing? How could he use such evil people to discipline God's chosen people? These cruel Babylonians not only treated people like fish, they also worshipped a false god. Verse 16 says that the Babylonians sacrificed to their necks. They did not worship the God of Israel, the one true God of all the earth. Instead, they worshipped their instruments of human cruelty and torture. Why? Because these fishnets and fishhooks were symbols of their success and victory in battle. And so it was their victory that brought them stuff that they might enjoy to make them rich. And so that's what they worshipped. They did not worship God. They worshiped themselves and their own power to bring them victory. You can see why then Habakkuk would wrestle with God in verse 17 by asking, Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? God, how long is this cruelty going to last? When are you going to stop it? Can't you see how much your beloved people are going to suffer? What are you doing? Habakkuk wrestled with God over all of these questions. The final way that you pray in difficult days is by expecting God to answer. Habakkuk closes his prayer in chapter 2 and verse 1 by saying, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. At the end of his prayer, Habakkuk realized that he had boldly said some things to God that perhaps after further review he maybe should not have said to the almighty king of the universe who held his life in the palm of his hands. Habakkuk had not quite charged God with sin, not quite, but he came pretty close. He argued that the means that God was going to use to discipline his chosen people of Israel, the means of the Babylonians, were apparently inconsistent with his holiness. That was what he wrestled with. He wrestled with God over the apparent contradiction between Israel being God's chosen and beloved people and the coming devastation of Israel at the hands of the wicked Babylonians who God himself had appointed to defeat his own people. Notice what Habakkuk did after he prayed. He waited. He waited for God to answer his prayer. And he expected God to answer him. He pictures himself as a watchman on top of a tower, looking out over the plain, waiting for the enemy to come. Now Habakkuk is not picturing God as his enemy at this point. 
But he is picturing God as his wrestling partner. And he expects God to make the next move. He expects God to act. I think at this point Habakkuk is expecting God to rebuke him for what he said about God. He expects to be rebuked for his bold praying. He expects God to disapprove of his words. And so Habakkuk is bracing himself for God's reply. Church, can I remind you of something this morning that's basic? God answers prayer. He does. So do you watch and do you wait for God to respond to your prayers? Do you expect Him to answer you? God has more to say to you after you pray. It will be good if you waited for Him to say it. Sometimes I picture myself in prayer like I am talking to God on the phone. I wrestle with Him about what is happening in my world and in my life. I voice my complaints. I tell God about my confusion and that His actions in my situation don't make any sense to me. And then... I hang up the phone. I don't wait to hear what God will say in response. But that was not what Habakkuk did. And that is not what God wants you or I to do either. God wants us to wait for His answer because He is a God who speaks. He is the God who is there. And we need to wait with humility and with hope. We wait with humility because God's ways are not our ways. God is so much higher than us, so we should not expect to understand what He is doing all the time. His ways are beyond finding out for us. We need then to wait to reveal, for God to reveal what He is doing. And we need to wait with hope. We pray to the God who is there. We pray to the God who does speak. And so we pray with legitimate hope that God will answer us, that He will speak to us in our crisis. Habakkuk had hope that God would eventually reply to him. And we have that same hope today in our difficult day. Some of you this morning are wrestling with God over your own suffering. Just like Habakkuk was wrestling with God over the suffering of his nation Israel. You know what the ultimate answer to your prayer is? Do you know where all of your wrestling with God is leading you toward? Jesus. At the cross, God poured out all of his holy wrath against sin on His beloved Son. He poured it out on Jesus, and He watched Jesus suffer in awful ways, just like God would watch His chosen people Israel suffer in awful ways in Habakkuk's day. But at the cross, Jesus was not only punished in our place. At the cross, God entered into our suffering and experienced it Himself. 
Does God know the pain that you feel? Look at the cross. He knows. He has been there. He enters into our pain. At the cross, God showed His mercy for His chosen people. By God's mercy, it was Jesus who suffered at the cross, and not us, the ones who deserve to suffer and die for our sins. By God's mercy, it was Jesus who was raised from the dead. And by God's mercy, we who have faith in Jesus will also be raised from the dead to spend eternity with God in His presence. So yes, God's people do suffer greatly in this world. But our suffering as Christians will end in mercy and in eternal life through Jesus, the God who knows what it is to suffer. That is the end of our suffering that God has revealed to us in the Bible. A few weeks ago, I spoke to my neighbor my neighbor and I have a relationship like Tim the Toolman had with his neighbor Wilson on the TV show, Home Improvement. Do you remember how Tim and Wilson spoke to each other? They spoke over the picket fence, right, that divided their property. Well, my neighbor and I don't have a picket fence that divides our property. Instead, we have pine trees that divide our property. And so we speak through the pine branches. So we were social distancing in our conversation before social distancing was cool. So that's what we do. And so my neighbor at this moment is quite anxious. He is worried about our country and where it is headed. And so I told my neighbor that he didn't have to worry because God is in control of all things. You know what my neighbor's response was? He said to me, well, lately, I think he's slipping. Now, what did God do next in response to my neighbor's comments? He did not send a lightning bolt to strike him dead. God didn't do that, even though he was questioning how God was running the universe. God didn't do that because my neighbor is wrestling with God. And that's what God wants for him, and that's what God wants for you. When you are confused, when you don't understand what's happening, Get in the wrestling ring. Don't stop talking to him. Get in there. Wrestle. Bring your questions to him. Keep wrestling. Keep praying. At the right time, God will bring an end to your suffering. And he will lead you to the mercy that is found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you are a speaking God. I thank you that even when we get confused and we get angry and we stop talking to you, you are there waiting to resume the conversation. I pray for your people today who have stopped talking. I pray that you would bring them back to prayer. I pray that they will come to you even today to bring their confusion, to bring their frustration Help us, O Lord, as your people to continue to talk to you. Use us, O Lord, as we pray to bring glory to your name and to accomplish your purposes in this world. In your great name we pray. Amen.